handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What's going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. On with me, friend of the show, was on last year about this time, Mr. Jack Borowski himself, host of the Inside the Gridiron podcast, uh, co-host of Inside the NFL Prospects podcast, assistant scouting director and writer for Sports Illustrated and NFL Draft Bible. So he knows our guy Ryan pretty well. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, excited to, to come on the show. I, I know we talked a lot about Colts football last year with, with the draft. And uh, you look at what they were able to do. They, they put together a really good grouping of players last year. Ballard's fantastic. You, you guys got a really good one. So I'm, I'm excited to talk, talk draft again this year. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, okay, let's get the same people on so we can have the same impact of draft this year. That would definitely be awesome. Uh, I have to ask you real fast, because you mentioned the NFL draft last year. How shocked were you last year when the Colts traded up and got Jonathan Taylor? I was really surprised that, that they went up and, and did that, because I, I feel like when I think of Indianapolis Colts football as of late, it's defensive line offensive line like they're not gonna they're gonna win a lot of football games and they're not gonna have like 10 pro bowlers or, or, or just have all these top tier picks like either they win with really underutilized guys that that, that that they bring in and to bring in a guy like Jonathan Taylor after going out and getting Michael Pittman Jr. I was really surprised with that move um, at first it seemed like uh-oh, maybe they didn't take the right running back, but just the way he progressed over the course of the season and, and the running back stable they have, you just yeah. look at him. He ran sub 4-4 at the combine and, and just what he brings to the table as a back. I'm really looking forward to, to, to what he can bring to the table, especially with Carson Wentz, the, the new quarterback, getting him adjusted. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it was a really good pick. Yeah, man, that Colts running group, running back group, is just absolutely insane with re-signing Marlon Mack and also have Naheem Hines. Like, they have three guys that are incredible players. So I'm really looking forward to seeing all three of them together healthy because obviously Mack went down early last year. Uh, But let's get into this a little bit. Let's start talking about some of these positions of need. You mentioned the offense and defensive line. Well, I would argue, and a lot of people would argue as well, that the biggest need for the Colts on offense is left tackle with Anthony Costanzo hanging it up this past year, dealing with some injuries and stuff like that. The Colts have a need at left tackle. Now, obviously, they signed a couple guys in Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport these last couple weeks. But, I mean, let's be real. None of these guys, you would hope, are going to be your left tackle day one. I mean, these guys are backup caliber players. I mean, Tevy has a little bit of starting experience, but didn't go super well from what I heard last year with with the Chargers. So uh, looking at some left tackle prospects, uh, some people have said the Colts should go round one at tackle, um, but I've looked at this tackle class a little bit, Jack, and it is a very deep tackle class. There's a lot of very good prospects, kind of similar, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but kind of similar to wide receiver last year with just the sheer amount of depth. Like any other year, I feel like some of these guys that – maybe could be in the middle rounds potentially are going to go or, or people who, who would originally be like early round picks could potentially go in those middle rounds. 
Uh, what's your thought on the, the tackle class? And then kind of looking beyond the first round, are there any guys that really stand out to you that you think could be really value finds for Ballard there, second round and on? Yeah, the, the Colts are in an interesting situation. As you touched on, I brought up, they like to invest in the defensive line and offensive line. And granted, they've had a lot of success, but eventually you're going to have to replace guys in, um, with your left tackle position. Uh, Tevi is way better than Davenport, I'll say that. But he, he's he's not one that you, especially with what Carson Wentz uh, has done as of late, you want to make sure he's got a great offensive line in place. And we look at the first-round tackles first. You have Rashawn Slater, Sewell. They look like the top group. And then you have the next two guys in Tevin Jenkins and Christian Darisoff. Jenkins is more of a right tackle uh, than left tackle. And it, you're going to have to trade up, I think, to, to get a Christian Darisaw. So right now, when you look at the tackle position, maybe the first round, the four guys, uh, you're not going to be in the right position to take one of them. So you're right. Second, third round, like the receiver class last year, there are a lot of players who, who I think can step in day one and be starters. Uh, I, I think you look at the likes of Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. He he was a starting left tackle for, for Notre Dame for a very long time. And I think he really progressed from his junior to senior year. And is he the best player? No. Is he the most athletic guy? No. But what he does is he gets the job done. I, I think pairing him next to Quinn and Nelson could be could be a fun uh, duo. Uh, he's a really good run blocker. He gets his job done in pass protection. He, he's had to go up against some of the best edge rushers in the nation over the past few seasons. Starting experience. People like to gamble on, on the athletic traits that tackle, but – when you look at what this team needs, they need a day one starter because you can't go into the season if you want to be a, a legit playoff caliber team with Tevi. So I think Eichenberg's a, an upgrade there. He's the first guy who I look at. Also, Alex Leatherwood from mm -hmm. Alabama. He, you know, Both of them, like they have their inconsistencies and in why Notre Dame and Alabama tackles could be available in the second round with the Colts pick and, picking in the 50s. Uh, I, I think he, his um, lower half is not very flexible. He ha has some issues in pass protection, but he's a really good run defender. And back to that experience aspect, I, I think that experience is so key when you're looking to try and get a day one starter who can get the job done. And Leatherwood has for Alabama. I think he, he has, in addition to Eichenberg, really progressed from his junior senior year as well because i did not like leatherwood's junior tape you watch his senior tape and, and he's worthy of a second round selection and then you got a few sleeper guys walker little from stanford walker little was the number one ranked uh recruit coming out of high school by 247 he was the next guy at, coming out of stanford and so his career uh, progression freshman year day one starter at Stanford. You don't get too many of those guys. I'd heard stories about how he was putting Solomon Thomas in the ground from the first practice on. Like Whoa. They were talking about him being a special caliber player. And then sophomore year, you turned on his tape, teams against Notre Dame in oh, Oregon games against those two teams. He really struggled uh, in terms of his core strength. It's not great. And then he still was mocked as a first-round pick going into his junior year. First game of the season against Northwestern, I saw some improvements there. Then he tears his ACL, so that was 2019. Tears his ACL out for the year. Still some thoughts, could he declare, decides not to. With COVID and, and how it affected the season, he decides to opt out and declare for the draft. And he was eligible for the senior bowl. He didn't play because of that rust factor. 
So mm-hmm. you're getting a guy who was a five-star recruit billed as a potential top five pick, meets all the measurables Ballard's looking for. He's going to come in and, and he he's going to check all the boxes. It's He hasn't played since week one of the college football season in 2019 against Northwestern. And you're going to expect him to come in. It's a little more of a stretch, but do I think that the upside is there, that he could be a diamond in the rough who obviously there's no such thing anymore, especially at the tackle position. But but I think he could be a guy who teams somewhat overlook. Jackson Carmen's another name back to that um, Eichenberg Leatherwood mold where he's big, he's long. He started at Clemson for multiple years at left tackle and he gets the job done. He's a good run defender, run blocker as well. And, and he contributes in pass protection. It doesn't always look pretty, gets the job done. And I think that's what, those are a few guys who I'm looking at um, in, in that second round range where they may not have elite level upside, but I think in Colts, uh, from, from their perspective, your division, you got two teams that are not going to be even close to competing next year. And who knows what happens with Tennessee they maybe their window is starting to pass a little bit. Um, at Derrick Henry, there's only so many more years he can continue to rush for 5,000 yards. So <laughs> I, I think that the Colts are in position to win now, and, and with a quarterback like Wentz and trying to get him on track, you need to have that left tackle position held down. You're not going to get those top four, but I just named three to four guys who come from Stanford, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, who all have starting experience at left tackle, who I think – would be great options. And that's why I don't think it's necessary to overdraft a tackle in the first round. And you can still go best player available or, or address a different position in need. Yeah. Uh, and I think some people have said, well, if a guy like Sam Cosme or someone like that, you know, one of those better tackles falls and maybe you take him at 21, but I'm kind of there with you too. I feel like you can potentially get a guy in the second round, you know, all those guys played against elite talent, right? They played against some of the best of the best. So I definitely love that. I love that, that, they have that level of competition. It won't be, obviously it always is a transition to the NFL, but it won't be as huge as like a small school type of guy. So I like that. Uh, Jack, let's talk about the wide receiver position. Now, you know, some people would look at this on the surface and say, oh, I don't think this is necessarily a need for the Colts, but you know, because obviously they just re-signed T.Y. Hilton to a one-year deal. But the way I kind of look at it, Jack, is like, well, T.Y. Hilton is only on a one-year deal. Uh, you like what you saw from Michael Pittman last year when he drafted him in that second round, the top of the second round. Uh, Zach Pascal's a nice player as well, but Paris Campbell's been injured. And then beyond that, you really don't know what you have at receiver right now. I mean, you drafted Desmond Patman last year, didn't see a snap. Uh, you got a few guys like DeMichael Harris and Ashton Doolin, you know, some, some guys that are more special teams type of guys. At wide receiver, though, I feel like there could potentially be a need because you just don't really know outside of maybe Pittman. Uh, who your receivers are going to be for the near future. So who are some guys maybe in that second, fourth, fifth round that you're looking at right now that could potentially be good fits for the Colts? Yeah, if we're looking at day two, I I think it's not as great of a receiver class as last year, but it's right up there. And I think people could make that argument that it is on par. But um, I don't think where the Colts are picking right now that there's a ton of great options because we see how receivers went last year. I mean, you looked mm-hmm. at the back end of the first round, early second round. Like T. Higgins, to me, I, I didn't think of him as the 33rd best player in the draft. I thought he was – he went 33rd. And then you got, like, Michael Pittman. He was quick off the board. LaVisca Chenault was quick off the board. These guys were flying. So 
I, I think that right now, when when I look at this Colts receiving core, yeah, they got options. And this is back to that the point. Like they don't got superstars at wide receiver. Do I think Michael right. Pittman could develop into a really good player? Yes, but he's not there yet, so you just can't count on it. Um, and, and Ty is on a one year deal. Um, Pascal is a solid option, but he's he's not a game changer. I think at that point in the draft. You're looking at a kid like Dwayne Eskridge um, in the second mm. round out of Western Michigan. Biggest knock on him, I think, is his age. He's, he's going to be 24 years old um, start of next season. But um, Eskridge is a legit track star who can take the top off the defense, put a lot of stress um, uh, on, on the secondary. He gets open. He's a big play threat, can contribute on special teams. Uh, went down to the senior bowl and looked like the best player um, at the receiver position. And um, that includes a lot of really talented players. I think even you include last year outside of Denzel Mims, I think you could argue that he had the, the best week out of anyone. So he, he, and he, he's a guy who has had injury history, which, which uh, is a little bit of a concern, but he switched from cornerback back to receiver this past year killed it so he's still a little bit raw at the receiver position you saw what he did i also like guys like diami brown nico collins collins was at the senior bowl we know ballard likes seniors um nico both of them are mid four four guys who um can stretch the field and i just think a big bigger body threat to, to pair with michael Pittman, and and, and i think that like yeah, I think that Estridge to me is the perfect one where he he can take over because Paris Campbell to me just doesn't have that. Um, he's got the speed, but he's he just hasn't been able to translate it. I, I just don't see him panning out. So I I really think Estridge to me is that guy who if I'm looking in the second round, if you want to look a little bit later, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. Um, he's going to be a, a slot guy I think at the next level. He can also play off the line as a Z. But what Anthony Schwartz brings to the table is uh, 10.07 track speed in 100 meter from high school. He it was the number one recruit as, as a in terms of track coming out. He chose to play football at Auburn. There was a, a chance he could have uh, went to the Olympics. He is that fast. He gained speed. So like he's not the fastest 40 yard, but from 40 to 60, he's the fastest player in the country. For for perspective, I think Henry Ruggs was like a, a t- in the 10.30s. Uh, when he came out and this kid was a 1007. So that same idea where he's going to put a lot of stress on the defense. And I think he could be had on day two as well. Amir Smith Marset um, from Iowa, another guy put stress on that defense. He's a vertical threat who I think if you put him in any other system outside of Iowa, we'd be talking about a clear cut top 50 player catches the ball, special teams contributor, Really similar to Eskridge, unfortunately, injury kept him out of the senior bowl. But I think those are three guys who I just think add that speed element um, to, to this offense that uh, Paris Campbell hasn't been able to to, to really capitalize on in, in his opportunities. And then I mean, T.Y. is going to be gone pretty soon. So you, you have to look for the future. And I think one of those speedsters on, uh, on day two, second or third round, um, wh- wherever you're looking to take one, could be – uh, an option. Hmm. Funny story in Dwayne Ex- Eskridge. Um, he actually grew up in my hometown. So I didn't yeah. even realize that like he was 
like declaring for the draft. And then my like last week, my grandpa told me that name and I was like, I know that name. How do I know that name? Uh, a couple of years ago when I was covering for the local newspaper, uh, I was like, it was his senior year and that dude just went off. I remember he had like 200 yards, was just destroying defenses. And I was like, this guy is talented. I mean, he's got blazing speed. He was outrunning everybody. He's just that kind of guy. So that's really cool, man. And, you know, with Paris Campbell, like it's unfortunate. He's just been injured so much. We haven't really been able to see what he could do, you know? Um, and I think that's what the Colts need. They just need a guy that's going to be consistently in there making plays because Paris Campbell has shown the home run ability when he's gotten the chance, but he really hasn't gotten the chance yet. So I, I definitely would like the Colts to continue to go after receiver and kind of figure it out because like the best ability is availability. And if Paris Campbell is not going to be healthy, I, I'd want to take a guy like Dwayne Eskridge or somebody like that, because it makes a lot of sense. I think the Colts just need that. Cause it seems like about every year, Jack, by week 10, the Colts are like finding guys off the street to be their number two wide receiver. It's just ridiculous. So I, I want to overkill at wide receiver. I don't care what it takes. I'm kind of tired of seeing that, honestly. Um, but let's move on to, I think, another big position that the Colts are looking to probably address in the draft. That's tight end, a receiving tight end, a playmaking tight end. Uh, obviously, the Colts haven't you know done anything yet with Trey Burton, who was on the team last year. It seems like they're trying to upgrade there. Really not a whole lot of great options. I know they had Jeremy Sprinkle in, uh, former Washington tight end a couple years ago, was drafted, and I believe, in like the fifth round. Um, but they still are lacking that true number one tight end. Uh, who are some guys maybe that you could see in that second to four, third, fourth round the Colts potentially could look to uh, go after and help their offense improve in that area? The, the two names I'd bring up, because this tight end class I think was – build as um, a lot better than it actually is because of the name like Kyle Pitts. And there was a lot of guys who went back to this back to school who shouldn't have, because after Pitts, you got Pat Fryermuth, who I think will be a second round pick. And, and Fryermuth um, was labeled baby Gronk going into the year. He was hurt, didn't play that well. He's probably a second. So, and I just, I just don't think he'll be available when the Colts are picking just because of position scarcity in, in terms of value. So you have, Second round right now, I'm looking at Hunter, or really just day two in general, because I think second round they should probably address a different position. Mm-hmm. The only two guy, other the only two guys I think, or really I'll throw a third in there that, that I would even consider are Tommy Tremble from from Notre Dame, who plays mm-hmm. more of a uh, he'd be a fullback, H back. He's not your true um, tight end. The concerns with him are he first off a great blocker, um, pretty athletic guy. His hands suck. That's that's really the that's the knock. And you can't catch the football most of the time. You don't end up panning out. So that's the only concern that I have with a guy like him. But but in, in the if he if he can just hold on to the football, he would be a clear cut second round pick. Then the other two guys, Hunter Long from Boston College. It, he's more in that. Jack Doyle mold. He's just going to be a really reliable, solid player for for a long time, in my opinion. Does, does he have a ton of upside? Not really. Went down the Cedar Bowl. He was solid, but it wasn't like, holy cow, this kid is anything more than a third-round pick. So I think you got those two in the third. And then the guy who I would take, who played at the Cedar Bowl, Trey McKitty from Georgia. And for college football fans, if you don't know that name, even though he played at Georgia, didn't really see the field much there, but – in terms of just athleticism and just the projection to the NFL, the guy has 11-inch hands, and he uses those mitts. At the senior ball, easily the best tight end there. The guy was catching everything, athletic, could get open, good enough blocker. I was really impressed with him. He probably came into the week 
from the NFL's perspective as a midday three guy and from the media's perspective as a nobody. And then I think he put himself in the conversation in a weaker class to be that next guy off the board after Tremble, Hunter Long, Frymuth in the second, and Pitts obviously in the top 10. So those are the four guys. I think he's the fifth. And if you ask personal opinion, I, I think he's really has a chance to finish as the second best tight end in the class. And that'd be a perfect Ballard pick where you're like, uh, that seems like kind of a reach um, if they go and they decide to take him in the middle of day two. But really, it, it may not be just because it's all about projection to the NFL, especially at tight end, where these guys are not utilized at all in college outside of really Kyle Pitts. So uh, it's all about what can they be a few years down the line. And I think McKitty has a chance to be the second best one. So I think more in that day two mold, you're, he'd be the guy who I'd 100% be targeting just because teams may still be a little wary because he didn't have that college production, but I think there was reasoning behind it just because played at Florida state transferred to Georgia. Neither one used him. So um, he went on the, out at the senior bowl and showed why he's easily deserving of being a top 100 pick. That's exactly what Ballard would do too. Like you've seen it in the past, like with some of the players you're like, like with Kamoko Turi, I'll just throw out a prime example. There didn't have the sacks where you're like, why is he a second round pick? Like a lot of people were questioning that, but he went to the senior bowl. He saw what he did at the senior bowl. And, you know, obviously Ture hasn't yet gotten to that point, but he has shown a lot of flashes to be a very dominant pass rusher. So it would be very Ballard like to take a guy like him, a guy who ne doesn't necessarily have eye popping stats. Right. But like the measurables and you know what he did at the senior bowl, just, just completely changes their mind. Like that just is exactly what Ballard would do. So I wouldn't put that past him at all. Uh, let's move on to pass rush. Let's go to the defensive side now. Pass rush, undoubtedly the biggest need on defense at this point. Uh, the Colts right now, uh, they they haven't re-signed Justin Houston, but there's thoughts that he might get re-signed for maybe a year or two. And then, you know, they have guys like, like I mentioned, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigou, Tyquan Lewis, three guys that they've drafted in the second round the last couple of years. Nobody's really taken that clear-cut number one at defensive end yet. But, you know, edge rush still is a big need, I think. I think everybody would argue that, you know, the Colts' defensive interior on the line is fantastic with Buckner and Grover Stewart. But then you go to the defensive end position and you even throw it back to the, the playoff game against Buffalo. You think, man, if you could have got a little bit more production from the defensive ends, that could have been a completely different game. Colts could have easily come away with that win. Uh, so I think it's been an issue for a while. The Colts have tried to solve it, haven't quite figured it out yet. I think it's still an issue. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on if there's any guys, you know, there's some, a lot of guys potentially projected in that late first round, but I'm curious if there's any other guys maybe in that second round or, or maybe later on that you're like, yeah, but I could see Ballard maybe adding him and kind of helping out this pass rush a little bit. Yeah. This would be a position that if Quiddy pays on the board at 21, I would address it just there. I, I think he's the guy in this year's class. He's pretty versatile, but I just think in a four, three defense, uh, he was misutilized in college and he'll be a great pro, but to, for the second and third round, we're looking at a, a edge rusher class that isn't, it's okay. It, it's fine. Uh, there's no top names and the depth is solid, but nothing special. There's a few names that I really like though. Peyton Turner from Houston. Um, Peyton is long. He is big. He is tall. He is, it, for those familiar with Gregory Rousseau from Miami, who has been billed as a potential first rounder, this kid's better than him, and he's in that same mold. The, the big, log, 
He's going to win with power. He's got good bend for his size. And so Peyton coming into the year had had dealt with some injuries. Um, and, and that's really what impacted um, his play and, and where now he, he's looked at as a, as a second round prospect. I think he does end up in the second top 75 at the worst because of, of what he brings to the table in terms of his traits. What he did was pretty good at the senior bowl, but his film from this past year, he's, in terms of guys who were off the radar, he was considered a priority free agent based off of his measurables going into the year, and he just exploded. You put on the tape, he went up against – it didn't really matter who he went up against. Granted, it was AAC competition for the most part, but he, he really dominated. So he's a guy who fits that long-arm mold, um, who has some upside still, who I think had he been um, – been good throughout his career and, and took that next step. He'd be viewed as a top 50 pick, but there's still some concern. Why did it take him this long to get there? So I, I think that he's a guy who I really like in the second round, fits the senior bowl mold, fits the long arm mold. Uh, another guy who's pretty similar to that, who's more of a third round pick, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. Smaller school kid, went down to the senior bowl, played really well. He, the kid's 6'6 six, six plus. He, he came into this year, and though Northern Iowa didn't have a season, his biggest concern was weight. He put on a lot of weight. He's going to be in that 6'5", 265 mold, long arm. Had a 41.5-inch vert as his pro, at his pro day. Ran really well. Looked good um, at, at the senior bowl. Showed flashes. Definitely a guy who can kick inside on pass rush downs. Down the road, obviously. The Colts have it all figured out there right now, but that's where he could be, and I think – he may take a little time to develop, and, and the Colts don't really have too many options right now where you're like, all right, they, it feels safe. We can let him develop. But I think a few years down the line, he could be that number one guy, which you don't seem to find too many of those guys on day two. I think it's just because he played at Northern Iowa and didn't have a season. So that that's those are two of the guys. Sure. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk about another position that they lost a player in to do due to free agency, the linebacker position. Now, this is kind of similar to wide receiver and where you kind of look at it and you say, is there really a need there? But, you know, looking at it, though, you know, you got your two starters and Darius Slender, Bobby Okariki. But uh, beyond that, there's a little bit of question marks on some depth. Maybe the Sam linebacker doesn't play a ton of snaps. But I mean, Ballard has shown he's willing to draft linebackers. I mean, all these linebackers that were on the roster have been drafted by Ballard outside of the first round. So this guy has shown that he can really draft linebackers well. I mean, the Colts kept seven linebackers on their roster last year, their final 53 man. So if that tells you right there how much Ballard loves to draft linebackers, um, who are some guys you think maybe could be that again for him, for him in that you know second to however many, you know fourth, fifth round? Who are some linebackers that stand out to you potentially as targets for the Colts? The, the one guy who I think is a target, and if the Colts decide to trade back out of the first round, he'd be the guy. It's Baron Browning from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. He had his pro day today. I think he had a 40-inch vert. He is was a top five-star recruit coming out of high school. Was just similar to this theme of he just wasn't utilized correctly at first at Ohio State, which is weird for a five-star program, five-star player at a five-star program like Ohio State is that he played behind Malik Harrison, who was a third-round pick of the Ravens this past year, and he got his opportunity this year, elite pass rusher, super athletic, can cover, and he just fits Chris Ballard's mold of this guy checks 
every single testing box. He's 6'3", 240. I think he's got 33-inch arms. He, he just – like, if you want to check every box for a linebacker, he's the guy who does it character-wise. Everything. Like, there's really no red flags. When you put on uh, his film, the um, his eye discipline isn't great, but I really think that it's being a little bit overblown and he could end up as a top 15 player in the mm-hmm. class when things are all said and done. So – uh, to me, it, he's he's the one guy. I think it's a it, it should have been a better linebacker class than it is. I think some of them are going to end up going in the first round where it doesn't make sense. He's the one who's that fringe. Could he be a first? And I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, would most people be? I think so. So he's more in that top 50 range. So Ballard may have to move down or may have to move up to get him. And it's not the biggest need. Could I see him doing that? Absolutely. I think that he's just a – best player available for Chris Ballard defense, especially linebackers. He seems to be able to just get the most out of them and he knows how to draft them. So pairing him with Darius Leonard, obviously they don't necessarily need one and he may not get that playing time um, early on just with who they have and where the NFL is going in terms of linebackers. But I really think that he he's a guy who who's going to be a – a superstar if Chris Fowler can get his hands on him and that, and that team as a whole. Yeah. You talk about, he's not a need. Well, we were joking off air or, and we were talking about it earlier. Uh, we didn't think Jonathan Taylor was a need, but Chris Ballard surprised us all. So I would not put that past him at all to go get a guy like Baron Browning there. And that in that second round I would not be shocked at all. Even if he traded up for him. I mean, if he just fall, falls in love with them, I mean, that's such a Ballard thing to do. Continue to add to a position that you don't think is a need or we don't think is a need, but Ballard has a special plan for him and it pans out. So, all right, let's move on to the last position. Uh, people could say need, and this is corner. Now, corner is very interesting because you did re-sign Xavier Rhodes to that one-year deal. You do still have uh, Rocky Sen, who you drafted a few years ago. You have Kenny Moore, who's a really probably the best slot corner in football, I would argue, or one of the top slot corners in football. You have guys like Isaiah Rogers, who you drafted last year. You have a guy like Marvell Tell coming back after opting out this last season. Um, even if you decide to bring back TJ Carey, like you have options at corner and it is very similar also to wide receiver. in the fact that like none of these guys are like stand out like superstars, but there's a lot of solid guys in this unit. And th- I feel like the Colts could serve to potentially try to find their number one guy, um, whether that is in that first round or whether that is in that second round, who are some guys that stand out to you potentially as guys that the Colts could maybe find in the second or maybe even mid round if they want to kind of add some depth. Yeah, the few guys who I like, I like uh, Melifanu, Obi Melifanu's brother, Ifatu. I, I think he's the guy who, if if I'm looking and I'm projecting what the Colts board looks like, he's probably a top three or so cornerback on their board. He's six two plus, super long arms. Um, he's like he's a freak of nature. He ran four four. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a back end of the first round guy because of his measurables and he put up really good tape. He's not that good where I could see him. It's just the culture in this weird spot where they got a few needs at probably more of the more important positions and they're in a bad spot at 21. But then like I I see the Colts training out. I I really could see the Colts training out of the first and you go grab uh, a few defensive, uh, a a defensive player in a tackle in the second and and you acquire even more picks. But uh, I I think cornerback Melifon, who's I think the guy, if he falls to 54, that's a home run pick. Would I take him 21? 
probably not may tr- maybe trade back in the first or early second and take a guy like him. Quite, I think he's a day one starter easy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love the Colts cornerback room. I don't think anyone loves it. There's no clear cut number one guy, but um, I think he could develop into that one, uh, that guy. Tyson Campbell also fits that mold, a really long arm kid who um, just hasn't put it all together yet. I, I think he, he's pretty athletic. He should be available in the second to third round was a top 10 recruit coming out. He and Pat Sertain, the second, both were played at the same school. So you had Sertain on one side, Tyson Campbell on the other side. Both were top 10 recruits. Campbell uh, just doesn't have that confidence level yet. That's my biggest worry with him because he's fluid mover. Um, you fall in love with his natural traits. It's just can up here he, he, he develop, and that's the biggest question. So that's why I think he'll be available at 54, potentially in the third round. So I think those are two guys. I love the small school kids in this year's draft, Robert Rochelle and, and Brian Mills. Rochelle's from uh, Central Arkansas. I think um, he may end up being a candidate at 54, and you're just taking him. If you, just, if you go look up Robert Rochelle's pro day numbers, they are absurd. The tape wasn't unbelievable, but the pro day numbers, I think that's what you're taking him on uh, at Central Arkansas. It's kind of hard to really depict his film. He's not going up against any wide receiver who's going to ever play in the NFL for the, for the most part. So he's a guy in, in Mills also. I mean, the, the guy 32-plus-inch arms as well, long kid, fits that mold. I think both of them, small school kids, you're getting him at a discount just because of the school they played at. I think – Mills played really well at the uh, Senior Bowl, not necessarily in terms of just going out there and dominate, dominating like Melifanu did, but he really progressed over the week. And I just saw he was this close a lot of times to making big-time plays, and I think that goes back to playing at North Carolina Central. You're not getting the the defensive back coach who, who who's on, on the way to becoming a, a future head coach or, or being a, a big-time uh, developer. So he, he just was this close a lot of times. So he's a guy who I think both of them really, I think Rochelle, he's probably late second, early third. I think Brian Mills could be like a compensatory pick guy to early four. I think you're getting value there. And I, I don't love the depth in the cornerback class, but I think those are two guys who stand out as, as players. Uh, Keith Taylor, another one. He He's big and long. He ran pretty well today at his Washington Pro Day. He had a really good senior bowl. He made himself a lot of money there, back end of the third round um, to early fourth round. Those are like the three guys outside of the Melifonu and Campbell who are more second-round players who, who I think all, all of them could, can come in and contribute. And you don't necessarily – like Rocky Sin and Xavier Rhodes can get the job done. I think Melifonu takes Rocky Sin's spot early on. Um, but the rest of the guys could be a, a year or so away where they take Xavier Rhodes' spot because um, there, there's only so much more time he has left in the league. Right, for sure. Well, last thing I'll ask you here, Jack, are there any players at those positions that you're like, absolutely not, buyer beware, do not go after these guys. I am not high on these guys. Any guys that like, you know, from a Colts fan's perspective, if people are looking at the draft, I know I'm. people consistently send me mock drafts all the time. And I'm like, I'm not big into it. So, like, I don't really know if it's good or not. Who are some guys that, like, you're like, no, don't buy the hype. They're not worth it. Yeah, I think uh, a few guys. I'll start with the edge rushers. Um, I think the two Miami kids uh, are really through. You guys probably aren't going to be looking at Quincy Roche just because of 
this the measurables but uh Jalen Phillips to me is a top five player in this year's drafts and why am I saying buyer beware the medical history and, and just for background Phillips came in number one or number two ranked player I think he and Walker Little it was a toss-up both of them came in as clear-cut for future first-round picks Phillips started his career at UCLA and he didn't really do a ton he was undersized only like 225 pounds had this uh, had, was six five six six, but only two hundred twenty five pounds, and just got beaten off the ball a lot. Couldn't contribute as a run defender, and dealt with concussion problems. And those con- concussion problems really mounted up to the point where he had to medically retire from football because of concussions. And UCLA would not clear him to play. Decides to retire, pursued a career in music. Miami came calling, and we're like, "You're too good to do this." He comes back. Gains weight up to being 265 pounds, comes in this past year, and just dominates for Miami. And the tape you put on, and he just tested, I think it was yesterday, and his numbers were off the charts. The guy is a freak athlete. He's Montez Sweat type of player. I think that's who Daniel Jeremiah compared him to. I think he's better than Sweat um, coming out. So he's got everything. It's just... You pay him for if you take him at 21, which he easily talent wise is worthy of being the 21st pick of the draft. You get first round caliber money. I mean, we saw this with Chris Borland, fantastic player for the San Francisco 49ers a few years back at linebacker. He retired after one year. And I think that's the concern is you pay him a lot of money, and there's some other off the field baggage with Phillips. He, it, the concussions come back, he's done. He, like you're you're looking at a player if you take him in the first few rounds you want him to be 10-year contributors even if he's not the best player in the NFL and you look at Braden Smith what he's going to be for the Colts as a really long-time player is he a top is he the best tackle in the in, in the NFL no but is he really good and just going to be able to contribute for a long time absolutely so I think Phillips to me that's the concern and why I if I was an NFL team I wouldn't have him on my draft board um, I just wouldn't take a kid like that because you're looking for long-term players and one year out of Phillips and he's gone and that's a waste of a draft pick no matter how good he is. So uh, yeah, Phillips to me and then Rousseau I think was, um, he's a guy who's been hyped up as a first round pick, a top 10 pick since, since last April. And it's based on the fact he was six 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 seven, two hundred sixty five 265 pounds. Another guy who checks that box, long arms. And he had 15 sacks as a redshirt freshman. The like, those are incredible numbers. One year of, of football. And the crazy thing was, Rousseau started out. He came into Miami having only played safety and wide receiver in high school. He comes into college. He had a, had an injury that kept him out as a freshman, forced him to redshirt. Redshirt freshman comes in 15 plus sacks. You turn on the tape, lacks any explosion and lacks any sort of bed. I have. 15 sacks off hustle plays and length. That's not translating to the NFL. And I think at 21, he gets mocked to the Colts a lot. Um, I would not touch him until the, I, I wouldn't touch him, but I think the third round's the first time I, I really want to take a player who he just tested and he showed that he has no bend and no explosion. So only one year of production. I think he was smart to declare because maybe he would have taken a step step back this year. We see see that a lot. So Rousseau, um, linebacker, if Micah Parsons falls to 21, I wouldn't touch him. 
he's a guy with major character and off the field red flags as a whole that I think could end up impacting his development as a football player. And Ballard's not a guy who I think takes too many of those types of players. Um, he didn't play this year. There were some concerns on his film that I don't think people are talking about enough. I think he takes plays off. He looks a little lackadaisical on, on the field at times. I think it goes back to maturity and the off-field concerns that are, are, are somewhat well-documented. And there's other uh, other concerns that could drop him um, later in the first round, even though he just ran sub 4-4 as a linebacker. So um, he, he's a guy – I think if you're looking receiver or cornerback, a cornerback who um, I wouldn't touch is Caleb Farley until 54. Um, Farley, to me, he was billed as a top 10 to top 15 pick. He's 6'2", sub 4'4 guy, ball production. He's got a bad back, and he didn't play this year. And so Farley's back, his history with injuries, towards ACL as a freshman, then missed the last few games 2019 with his bad back and he took this entire year off and his back couldn't heal enough. So he had a back surgery. He had back surgery after he he dealt with that time off. Then you have an entire year to just rest, get yourself ready for the NFL. And obviously his back was not good enough that he had to then get another back surgery. So he had two back surgeries. The kid hasn't even played it down in the NFL. And I think, his tape isn't necessarily there yet, but 54, if he's dealing with lingering back issues, but he's still a number one guy, you deal with that. 21, you're looking for an investment in a high caliber player for a long time. Back issues are reoccurring, and I don't think his tape is good enough to warrant being a first-round pick still. Uh, wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. back to the character concerns. Uh, I don't think he's going to be available in the second round for you guys, so you don't have to worry. So those are just... Some guys and then tackle. I know you mentioned Sam Cosme. To me, um, he's really overrated. I know the athletic testing numbers show otherwise, but you turn on his film, and I expected to come in thinking this is a first-round caliber player. He is not. He his technique is day three. He doesn't have. He is 33 inch arms, so he may be tall, but he is not long. Um, there are a lot of concerns on his film. I think the NFL. Um, isn't as high on him as the media is. I see him mocked a lot in the teens. I'd be surprised if he was – I mean, if he just tests that well. I mean, Isaiah Wilson went in the first last year. But to me, he's more in that Ezra Cleveland mold where shorter arms, super athletes who are mocked in the first round but really are more late uh, second rounds, late second round players. Even if he's there, the Colts, if you're deciding between an Eichenberg or a uh, – a, a Sam Cosme, I, I still would lean more towards Eichenberg because I think there's a lot that needs to be reworked with Cosme that that leaves a lot to be concerned with him being a day one starter, which like you're taking, I mean, really, there's very few tackles in the draft who you're taking who won't be starters, like the, unless they rework the offensive line. I, that's the, the main concern with me with the Colts is Ballard better have a plan. And there's a few like Villanueva, it, like that would have been a guy who I, I think that <laughs> would have made sense, especially with the amount of money they had. Um, obviously, they uh, have elected to go Tevi and Julian Davenport. I mean, you're sitting at 21, and you have a need at the second most important position on offense outside of quarterback, and your quarterback now, who I mean, there's a there's a lot of lot to be concerned about. He he needs to have that left tackle in place. So I mean, Ballard's not one. He he did it with Jonathan Taylor last year. 
I, I, it'd be smart for him to move up to, to, to go and get a guy on draft day. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Uh, this was a lot of good insight, a lot of guys that I'd never even heard of. Um, and that's a good thing, you know, learning new things about different guys. Um, hopefully our listeners learn a little bit more. I know a lot of people are on, on in on Sam Cosme. Um, and that's a very interesting cause I actually had no idea. I just had seen him mocked a lot to the Colts. So I was like, Oh, does that make sense there? But um, yeah, that's very interesting, but well, I appreciate you, man, for coming on here, uh, giving your insight a little bit on who you think the Colts could be looking for beyond the first round. I think there's a lot of talent here. They have a lot of positions of need, so I, I feel like they're they're going to knock it out of the park again. Ballard's had a really good draft history so far. Um, I'm really excited, man, to see what happens this year. Yeah, most definitely appreciate you having me on, Cody. I'm excited because he's got more needs than usual. Uh, I mean, Ballard's got something up his sleeve because – the way the roster is looking now, I think it's going to be a lot different um, after the draft. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. I always love draft day, man. I love that Thursday through Saturday. I am locked into my TV. I'm like, nobody bother me. This is my weekend. Like, it's almost like Christmas, man. It's so much fun every single year. Even if I don't follow all the prospects like you guys do, I know that's kind of your job. Like, you do that day in and day out. You know these guys so well. Um, and that's just not my forte, but I just love the draft because – it's always fun to look at guys, you know, think about, oh, this guy be a fit here. Would this guy be a fit here? Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's going to be it's going to be a great, great weekend. I can't believe we're less than a month now away from it. Uh, I'm excited, man, to see Ballard again go to work, do what he does. This is how he's made his living, man. He's knocked it out of the park about every single year in the draft and I'm excited to see him do it again. All righty. Well, that'll do it. Thanks, Jack, again for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Colts.